Guys, what's happening? Welcome back. After a week hiatus, it is Swing, so, Swing Space Radio episode number 15, where we are going to deep dive into the Masters. The Masters. Yeah. I've got William Leaf here from Minnesota this time, actually. Lucky yeah. for him. There's a uh, foot of snow on the ground randomly. Uh, good for it. And... Uh, <laughs> Welcome back. It's a holiday. So, obviously, since William is here uh, in Minnesota, we've got a little bit lesser audio quality this week, and I apologize, being that it is the biggest week of the golfing year. Uh, but we'll get it, we'll get past it. We'll make it work. Let's talk about it. You're, I mean, I, I don't have it up right now, but you're watching the Part 3 contest. It's Masters Week, baby. I know the part three contest is great, especially with Sandy Lyles just wiping the floor with everyone. You know it's going to be a good week. <laughs> we were talking about making the Dust Bowl just of old timers, and it's funny. Think- but the, 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 it's funny because my first comment was, "Okay, I got Angel Cabrera," and and you were like, "No, I have Angel Cabrera." I always have Angel Cabrera. No one else can have Angel Cabrera. He is my absolute guy. He's my. If you go back into my college, uh, when I was in college and had a couple of interviews, and they asked who my favorite golfer was, it is documented that my favorite golfer actually is Angel <laughs> Cabrera. But he doesn't really golf anymore, so um, it's more of a hobby. And he's still my favorite. And you cannot have him. I have them. I already got them on lock. I got them highlighted here as you picked everyone um, that's got the best odds in each category. So, congratulations. So, as I mentioned before, obviously, we didn't have a podcast last week. It was Valero Texas Open, quite honestly. You're gigantic degenerate if you have any interest in the Valero Texas. <laughs> I agree. I didn't uh, watch any. It's interesting, right? I mean, one of my picks later here, down the line, missed the cut, played terrible. But, I mean, it's kind of one of those things, right, where, like, the guys that matter aren't out there trying to – they're trying to get ready for for what is is this week. Correct. Yeah, they did not care about the Valero. They were out there doing some test trials, doing some things, focusing on – like, they probably weren't even playing the course the way – um, they always would at the Valero. You know what I mean? They're probably going through some strategy for Augusta, um, making sure certain parts of their game's tight. Um, they, those guys didn't care. The ones that, you know, are really looking at coming here and, and winning, um, they weren't really worried about Valero. So let's hop into it, the Masters. Yeah, so first thing we got to say, I mean, when you talk about the Masters, and we got Tiger Woods back. What's your thoughts? You see the quote by Jack Nicholas? That it's the most confident that Jack has ever seen Tiger. And he played with him the he played with him recently, like the other day, and he just shot a most casual sixty four he's ever seen. He was like it was just the easiest thing in the world. Oh. That makes I mean, know. where was it? Where where did he play? Um, I don't recall. But uh, as long as it wasn't Lark Toys, cool with it. <laughs> 64 at Lark is not great. Well, there's like 100 holes. So <laughs> defies all actual. Um, so, I mean, here's the thing, right? Like, we talk about it before. Tiger Masters Week, like, it, you know, I, I, I think back to are my childhood, your childhood, mm-hmm. Tiger Woods in the Masters coming yeah, to man. play. This is his thing. This is, again, like, this is this is Tiger Woods week. Yeah, this will be the major that he's able to win the latest in his career. I mean, like, this is the one that if he's going to win any of them, it'll probably be the Masters. I mean, the way this golf course is and how much knowledge it requires and experience, um, it's just hard 
It's hard to say that, you know, he's never going to have a chance here again. I mean, what was it that one year? Uh, maybe it was 2013, uh, where everything was kind of starting to get weird with Tiger Woods, like his career and his game. Um, I mean, he had a chance on the back nine here. And at the same time, you know, people didn't think he could win majors and things like that. So um, I just think he has the ability with his knowledge and how to play this golf course. Um, that's why I got him, you know, beating you in the first round of the um, Dan William head-to-head match. I mean, we'll get to that later in the podcast, but I would say that there's – it's hard for me to say that there's 0% chance, but I guess I, I would doubt that it's going to happen. Anyway, so Augusta National, the golf course. It, it's kind of hard to do this podcast and, and talk about this because I think a lot of, like a lot of the weeks that we do this podcast, you know, we talk about the golf course in a way that mm-hmm. is <clears throat> somewhat informing – uh, the general just casual viewer of PGA Tour golf that might not watch every single tournament every single week. I mean, listen, like, it's Augusta National. Everyone that that even so much as likes golf watches this tournament every year. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and so there are a few changes uh, to the course this year, and you can kind of get into them on hole five and hole 18. Um, yeah, so hole five, hole five, I mean, they added – 40 yards it went from 455 to 495 which that's actually going to play a big difference because uh guys would hit three wood off that hole a lot and um now it's definitely going to force you to to hit driver and um i'd be especially with this week we're going to talk about the the weather but um it's going to be pretty wet so that hole is going to be a a beast and you're going to see guys you know being forced uh, driver in their hand, which which will be different from past years, but I think it'll be really good. And and every all the players that I've um, kind of followed up and been keeping track of throughout these practice rounds are saying they like it. It's not one of those changes, you know, where they're like, "Why'd you do that?" or just complaining about it. Um, they like it, uh, so that, it'll be interesting to see how that plays. And a guy like Tiger, it'll be interesting because you know how he loves to go to that three wood um, yep. and being forced to hit driver. Um, We'll see. But then on 18, I don't know exact details I'm going to have to see throughout the tournament, but I heard that they redid some of the green um, and some of the breaks uh, are a little bit different, subtle ones, which now hole five, it's like, okay, you add 40 yards. You can really prepare for that. You really, it's just in front of you, but Augusta national putting, you know, can be such a, they say you have to play a a few years to really even understand the green. And now they kind of throw a little curveball at you on the last screen <laughs> with some yeah. subtle break changes. And, and that can be really difficult. And it'll be interesting to see people react. You know, if they miss the putt and they kind of look dumbfounded that it didn't break a certain way. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, I, I was listening to Tiger and he said that every year, you know, they make changes. They redo some greens. They really um, make sure this place is perfect. And he just says that every time it comes back. Um you got to learn something new. And uh, I think for, for those guys, 18, that'll be a really critical, uh, especially Thursday, Friday, like you got to kind of get the feel of that, you know, you can't let that be in your head and, and second guessing reads, but yeah, it'll be interesting. We'll see how, how people react on that. And maybe, maybe we'll get back on here next week and be like, Oh, 18, there was nothing really even I'm different about it, but I'm, I'm expecting to see whole five play differently. God, I'm excited for this week. I'm literally in one hour. I'm going over, starting a master's draft. Gonna take Are some you? of these guys up. Yeah, I've been. I've spent uh, some of the afternoon kind of looking over these guys, and it's. I'm excited. This is gonna be a fun, fun golf tournament, and we'll get into these individual guys here in a little bit. But there's, again, like Tiger's always got some legacy on the line here. But, like, you know, you got a guy like Rory who's coming in. I, we'll, we'll get to it later in the pod. But, so, yeah, like you said, it's going to play soft and long. Thursday, looks the weather is looking pretty good. 82, partly cloudy, 13 miles an hour. You know, it's not exactly still, but these guys shouldn't have a ton of trouble with that. Um, Friday, 83 and showers. 
Saturday, 84 in showers. Sunday, thunderstorms in 83. Again, it's like, interesting. yeah. What year was it? I think it was, it was the year the weather was really bad. Um, was that 07 when Zach Johnson won? Um, the final score, I don't remember. What it, was. it wasn't anything great, but I remember the weather being really bad. And, you know, he was laying up. He was up the only on, one laid up, Yeah, and he laid up on every single par five. Um, I think it was cold and windy. I, I don't remember if it was raining. I can't be so no, sure about that. It was cold. It was cold. I yeah. remember it being very cold, and that was the big reason that he had kind of an advantage because, like, these guys weren't reaching greens, and he just got to turn it into a wedge contest. And, he, you know, obviously sure. that played right into his hands. Um, yeah. I think I was, I was actually reading about that earlier in the week, and I think it was in the 40s all week that week. Uh, and obviously right. the, the heat, you know, it's going to be in the 80s all week. So it's, you know, as far as temperature goes, it's not going to be too big of a deal to these guys. Uh, but wet, you know, if there's delays, who knows? Who knows how how yep. this will all turn out, right? I mean, like, you look at a tournament like the Genesis earlier in the year where <clears throat> with all of the weather delays, it turned into kind of a goofy tournament. And mm-hmm. the delays playing, you know, 36, you know, maybe some, yeah. 31 holes in a day, right? Trying to get as much golf in as you possibly could, knowing that the rest of the weekend was going to be – kind of shitty from the weather perspective like right who and knows, now you got who a whole monster factor yeah now you got a big monster like a whole different monster too of people that you know haven't had a lot of starts at the masters they're already going to have a lot of adrenaline they're going to be nervous like and then start and stops affect how it goes you know the, the guys that are experienced are going to have a big advantage i think just because it's got to be hard to sit there and keep going back and forth you just want to get out there and get that first nine holes in yep. and get you know, more comfortable with the event because they talk about the off factor all the time at the masters you know you come down magnolia lane and it's like you gotta uh, like i would come early to try to get rid of that you know what i mean i'd try to just be around yeah. the place to try because i know for the first few days i'd be like oh my god like we're at augusta national i'm not even really focused on <laughs> my game you know so it'll be interesting to see well and, and it's always it's always uh friday and saturday should be fine it's just that sunday you know makes me a little worried with the thunderstorms yeah it's gonna the weather is going to add a degree of difficulty this week that you don't always see here and yeah. uh it's gonna so, correlate nice to the difficulty just towards my mental health that the weather here in minnesota is providing <laughs> this week and well it's gonna, go ahead. No, yeah just before we move into the players like just a broad comment is it's really probably going to cut the field in half so to speak if we get the weather that's what i'm we're looking at right now that's going to make the field um a lot smaller and probably count a, a lot of guys out well let's take a look mark leishman's our first guy 50 to 1 to win the golf tournament Plus three fifty in the top ten, plus eight hundred in the top five. Give me your thoughts on Mark Leishman this week. Yeah, it's kind of fun coming back to him. I got away from him for a while. You know, in the beginning of the year, I was all over Mark Leishman. Took him when he was playing really well. He's continued to play well, and he's coming back here uh, to a place that he's had a lot of success. Um, and you know, a big reason why I'm picking him is his ability to drive the golf ball. Um, he hits it so far, uh, and he carries it a long way. Uh, with this, with this, these soft conditions, you know, driving accuracy won't be as difficult, uh, just because, you know, you don't have to worry about balls uh, running through the fairway into the rough, anything like that. So Mark Leishman, a guy that can carry the ball a long way is going to have a tremendous advantage. And you're going to see a common theme with that now, uh, because I was planning on, you know, I had a few guys I've been looking into coming into the week, but when I saw the weather, you know, I had to scratch a few of them and and change it up. So uh, Mark Leishman specifically going with him because of his driving distance. And he's also very comfortable here. Um, a top 10 and a top five is really good for Mark Leishman. He's very comfortable doing that around this place. Obviously he hasn't got the win. So um, I think he will eventually, but um, you know, top five and top 10 seems like it's, it's always in the cards for him around this place. 
Yeah, and I've been thinking a lot more about him, kind of for those reasons that you said, especially the driving distance as it's going to get softer and maybe even a little bit slower in the fairway. Mm-hmm. You look for those guys that can carry it a long way. Um, yeah, he's a guy that I'm going to have to give a couple extra thoughts to uh, as we kind of progress here through the night as somebody to attack in that mid-round range uh, when you're doing for a sure. draft or you're doing a pick pool. Uh, you know, he's he's a guy that you might want to have on your squad. So, you know, this guy, uh, next guy, he's uh, not much to say. He's stud. We've had him a lot this year. Continue to have him a lot this year. Justin Rose, 12 to 1. Uh, top 10 plus 110. Top 5 plus 250. Those odds aren't as great, but 12 to 1 to take it home. Uh, give me your thoughts. Yeah, so, I mean, Justin Rose, he's played this event 13 times, I believe. He's made the cut every single time. And his last seven, I believe it was, or six, he's finished in the top 25 or better. Um, and with with Justin Rose, that I mean, I'm actually okay sprinkling money on every single one of those. Kind of to just, if, if the guy is playing well, like, he can absolutely win here. Um so why not just throw it's it's not a risk to go top ten, top five and throw some money on him. Like he lives there, he's he's always in contention around this place. He loves it. Um and he's you know, really uh he got second. I believe it was the year that he lost to Jordan Speed. He played awesome in the final round. Yeah. Um he just got he just got beat, you know, and he's comfortable on Sundays. He's uh it's a walk in the park for him. He loves being around here and uh, as world number one. You're crazy not to pick him and give him give him a little bit of uh, put a little bit of money on him. Yep. No, I again on the winning on the winning number. I think uh, there's definitely, I guess you could save some value. Top ten at one plus one ten. Uh, I don't get too carried away with plus a top five plus two fifty. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, twelve to one to win. He's obviously awesome. World number one. Uh, like you said, has success at this place. I like him too. Yeah, no reason to talk about his statistics. We all know, right? He's yeah, he's ball strike right. good. Uh, so the third guy in our favorites group here, Paul Casey, twenty-five to one to win the tournament, plus two hundred in the top ten, plus four fifty in the top five. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so with Paul Casey, uh, it was around the Players' Championship. Um, Joseph Mayo was, I was with him in Jacksonville during the first round of the players. And uh, he actually played in the practice round uh, with Brian Gay. So it was Brian Gay and Paul Casey playing and Joseph Mayo was out there. And um, I happened to actually pick him that week and he played horrible. I think he got almost last. And Joe was talking about how it didn't look great. It, It wasn't crisp. And with a guy of that caliber, you know, that's not going to stick for a while, right? Like he's going to go home. He's going to, reevaluate and then he comes back and wins the the Valspar. So I think that he kind of had his little bit of a breakdown this year already. Um kind of where he just didn't have a lot of confidence, lost it, but it it brought his attention back into it. I'm sure he worked a little bit um harder and now he's uh he's really informed to play, uh have a great week here. And you know he's eighty fourth in driving distance, but it's long enough. You know, he's averaging two ninety five. Uh but he drives it very straight. He hits a lot of greens. Um, he actually makes a lot of eagles, which, you know, you're dealing with hole 13 um, and 15. These holes aren't about bombing it. You know, uh, it helps, of course, but you can still make eagles with being a really good long iron player versus, um, you know, just bombing drives uh, and being the only ones to have a chance. So, uh 10th in driving accuracy, 20th in greens and regulation, second in eagles per hole uh, with 64, making a lot of birdies. Um, his only thing right now is he's not putting great, uh, but a guy of his caliber, you know, that's usually just uh, when he's off at putting, it's streaky. So uh, he definitely has a chance to find that this week. And hopefully with the soft conditions, he can take advantage of his long iron play um, and be aggressive from the fairway. Ball strikers with putting issues. That's going to be a theme that I will revisit in our head-to-heads. But the next guy is one of my favorites this week, too. Um, I had, you know, had some money on him last year. 
Tony Finau, 40 to 1 win the tournament, plus 300 in the top 10, plus 650 in the top five. Finished tied for 10th last year. Uh, essentially, he, well, again, everyone knows the story, right? Last year, where he plays in the par three contest, pulls out, dances down the fairway, and dislocates his ankle, uh, which would have been one so, year ago today, right? Yeah, so I was watching the par three contest, and he actually came up to that hole, and he was about to hit, and he stopped. And his caddy, I don't know if it's daughter, friend, or whatever, but uh, brought out like a Nike training shoe with like a really high. <laughs> high ankle brace type thing. Uh, and he wore it the rest of the round <laughs> from that hole through the rest of the round. So I like that. I think it's another uh, piece of the puzzle here is he's relaxed. You know, he, he played well here last year. He had a lot of adversity. I'm sure he's just happy to be healthy. And um, that was probably a stressful week. Uh, so I see Tony now playing well. I think it was our first podcast of the year. One of the first few I, I uh, mentioned, you know, Tony Finau is going to be a guy. If he has any sort of momentum, I'm going to pick him in the Masters. So, uh, yeah, it's his time. I mean, he's, he's knocking on the door to break through. Um, top five is a, is a really good one, top ten. But you got to kind of put some money on him to win it, too, because he is that caliber of player. And especially, um, he's very good at working the ball both ways. He can hit uh, little draws, little fades very comfortably. And um, with these soft conditions, uh, that's big. You know, he he's gonna feel like he can chase pins and maybe be a little bit more aggressive with these conditions. So, um, a bomber that that that's got total control of his iron game, um, soft conditions. It's it's a recipe for success, in my opinion. Yeah, good stuff. I you know I like him. He's a target of mine. Uh, you know, like I said, I got the Masters draft here after we finish up. He's a target of mine for tonight. Uh, let's head into your dark horse picks of the week. Matt Wallace, one twenty-five to one, plus eight hundred in the top ten, plus two thousand in the top five. Why Matt Wallace? Honestly, I think this is my favorite pick out of any of them. You know, with the odds and everything, um, driving distance, he's averaging three hundred five point three off the tee. That's twenty-fourth. Um, his driving accuracy, only hitting fifty-seven uh, percent of his fairways. But like I mentioned earlier, out here. The fairways are very generous, uh, soft conditions. Um, so essentially the, the fairways are playing even wider, right? So um, I think Matt Wallace is a recipe for, he's happy this weather's coming. You know, he's yeah. happy that it's going to rain. Um, and uh, he's really good around the greens. He's 45th in strokes game putting and he's 15th around the greens. Um, and he's 37th tee to green. Uh, overall, he's 25th in strokes gained. Uh, but the place around here, I know he's going to have struggle with knowledge, but hopefully that those soft conditions, you know, can can eliminate from having those few uh, embarrassing moments that Augusta National can make you experience, you know, especially with the short game. So I think that he's just going to be able to bomb it out there and uh, really try to take advantage of, of these conditions. And um, even if his iron game is not great, if he misses in the right spots this week, uh, his short game is going to bail him out. I like him with those odds, man. It's it's tough to to like anyone more than that. Especially that, what is it, the top five and the top ten? Um, top five plus 2,000, top right. ten plus 800. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely worth looking at that top ten, especially like if you think about we have, I think it's the smallest Masters field this year since Tiger won in 97. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not big. Like, you don't have to beat as many guys, and then you're dealing with guys like Sandy Lyle and, like, right. like Larry Mize and Ian And guys and like it. the next guy that you have in your dark horse pick uh, <laughs> list. But, but no, I, I think that's actually really good. Uh, and, you know, again, if you're at a pool, like, you're looking for guys that other people aren't necessarily looking at that have a chance to play well here to kind of bring up the bottom half of your roster. And mm -hmm. like looking at strokes gain, you're looking at driving distance, looking at short game, right? I mean, you got to be creative around these greens. Uh, putting these greens is right. It's a journey, right? Like it is, it is a, it's an mm -hmm. adventure. I feel like it's almost like a flip of a coin for a guy that's first playing there. Like you just, I feel yeah. like you get out there and you don't really know. Like you could definitely get some momentum and get some good feel and be just fine. But it's 
you hope, you know, those first 12 holes, you don't have any big hiccups that, that get you on that defensive side early, but um, anything's possible out here, but hopefully those wet conditions, like I said, make the second shot easier to not um, get in tough, tough positions, putting or short game, because um, obviously these greens are so undulated. If you miss a slope when it's dry out there, uh, you could have a 75 footer uh, in no time, you know, so hopefully these wet conditions make the second shot easier, which will avoid them from having a bunch of extremely difficult putts. If everything goes as planned, of course, but. I like this pick. I'm going to sprinkle some money on Matt Wallace, too. I like it. Yeah, it's great. He's fiery. He just got a hole-in-one in the, the par-3 contest, which is also the 100th hole-in-one in the history of the par-3 contest. So, um, if you're looking for any signs, if you're, ty- if you're those type of people, there you go. There's your goofy stat that <laughs> can, uh, and maybe it's his, it's his week. Everything's aligning, right? Or he's going to shoot 100 in the first round. So, <laughs> Matt Wallace. Don't shoot a hundred. <laughs> he could. So next dark horse guy. pick, which next dark horse pick, which I, I'm not sure is, if it's just a troll or you just want to talk about him more, but Angel Cabrera is fifteen hundred to one to win. Top ten, fifty five to one, top five, one twenty five to one. The guy's had some success here, but from what I hear, I don't even think he plays golf. So he played, he has not played on the PGA Tour yet this year. Uh, he has played maybe two or three PGA Tour Latin American events just simply because they're in his backyard. Uh, and he doesn't play. He's getting old, but he's always been a bomber. He hits it far. For a guy that age with that those odds in a tournament where he's comfortable, if he hit it, you know, if he was a guy that hit a 255, like, no, I'm not even going to think about him, right? But Angel Cabrera, he's gutsy. He's well, he's won this. He's had he's been in two um two playoffs here. Uh the year that in two thousand thirteen I actually put some put some money on him and uh he didn't fail me whatsoever. So I'm going to roll it back with him until Angel Cabrera Cabrera does not roll down Magnolia Lane. <laughs> Fairly certain you gambling in twenty thirteen was, it was not illegal legal but uh i so the guy doesn't play golf he wasn't there a story from a few years ago with a practice round uh i'm trying to remember what the story so uh it was at oakmont so he's playing with graham mcdowell i believe it was in a practice round at oakmont when he and and that year he won and he beat tiger um, and we all know Oakmont's probably the most difficult U.S. Open course. Um, so this guy just flat out plays in big moments. And during the practice round, Graham McDowell's out there grinding, you know, dropping a lot of balls, um, checking out what the rough's like, what the what the short game's like around the green. And every single hole, Angel Cabrera would rip one 330, soft cut down the middle, hit it on the green to 20 feet. He'd walk up pick up his ball, stand on the side of the green, start smoking a cigar, and watch Graham McDowell practice. Every single hole, he would hit <laughs> two shots, grab his ball, stand on the side of the green, and watch Graham McDowell grind while he had a cigar. And Graham McDowell is the one who tells this story, and he said, in my mind, I was like, there's no way this guy doesn't play well. Like, you don't get to Oakmont and you're just comfortable. You're just comfortable, like, where you don't even need to practice. And <laughs> apparently, he thought it was more important to just rip a cigar and watch Grand McDowell grind. Um, and I thought that was just my favorite story because that sums him up. I mean, you have to have something kind of crazy about you mentally to just show up at a major. And that's your first tour win. And then you don't even hear about him on the PGA Tour. And then, oh, you also won a U.S. Open and you beat Tiger. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. He's a fascinating dude. That's why he's my favorite golfer on tour. Um, he just does this as a hobby, and he still wants uh, the best player in the world sometimes. So, Conor Cabrera, fifteen hundred to one. I will be sprinkling on that. <laughs> yeah, for I entertainment mean, reasons too. It seems like that's a waste of a dollar. 
but <laughs> let's move on. Uh, so your last dark horse pick, which I think yeah. we can have an argument whether this guy's even a dark horse pick with his <laughs> success here, and actually his relatively you know narrow odds to win. Uh, Phil Mickelson, forty to one, top ten plus three hundred, top five plus six fifty. Uh, mm-hmm. Phil. Uh, so the reason why I haven't made a dark horse uh, is because Phil Mickelson is. You're dealing with a guy who has a set plan every year for the majors. And he knows what he needs to do to prepare. Um, and what he always does is he plays the week before the Masters. And uh, with the schedule change, he wasn't able to play um this year before and i was listening to one of his press conferences and he didn't sound that confident not confident but he was just more unsure with the preparation plan so he came to the augusta national last week um, and played four rounds in a row as if he was playing an event correct and then he went home and practiced and came back so you can tell he's trying he doesn't want to get outside of that plan he's always used for preparation right so the reason why i haven't met a dark horse pick is because i'm not comfortable enough to sit here and say he's one of my favorites but i really do think in a field of this um depth um you can get him at 40 to 1 uh i still like him enough but don't be mad at me if he unseats <laughs> yeah and, i was gonna say i think i would rather put money on him emceeing but but that's kind of my point, right? So, like, um, if he played the week before and he was really in rhythm with how he's always planned to play this place, I'd be like, yeah, for sure. Um, now, I wasn't even – I added this dark horse pick. We usually only do t- two, and at the last minute I added them because I'm like, okay, with the weather that's going on, and right now his only focus is gaining speed. So when he's out here right now on the range, you'll see him he's using – speed stick he's trying to hit as hard as possible he's just trying to jack his speed up that's a a a benefit for phil because he gets to go out there and feel like he can just freewheel it with the driver with these soft conditions um and he'll be able to to hit more fairways but also hitting fairways won't be as important so that's your benefit to phil is the weather um and his single-minded focus from his game aspect the downfall is, is um he might not feel as sharp or he might not be practicing the right things because usually he would take the last week, that final assessment and then clean everything up during the practice round. So you can take that one for how it's worth. I added it because I thought it was interesting and I wanted to help people understand um, the odds may fool you a little bit. Like Tony Finau is 40 to one. And I think Tony Finau is a no brainer, you know, compared to Phil. Yeah. I wish I had odds on Phil emceeing this week. I don't see any <laughs> chance that he's going to be good. But whatever. Let's uh, hop into the leaderboard game. I see you didn't update the leaderboard. At last, it was 23 to 18. I believe it is 26 to 20 at this point. And, right, from what, uh, what event? The last one. Match- yeah, which one was that? That was like seven weeks ago. No, it was like three weeks ago. Yeah, sure. Oh, yeah, because I had the match play. Anyways. Still whopping. Have some not, not a surprise. Picks. Everyone is going to be embarrassed for you listening to this podcast. Because of my awesome picks that are about to come up? He like must have gone on Google and said, who plays on the PGA Tour and just chose the first five names that came up. Yeah, so the first guy first. is decent. <laughs> yeah, he's going to probably win. <laughs> well, that's why I'm going to take him. Rory McIlroy, <laughs> he's the odds-on favorite to win. Something that's kind of goofy, no favorite has won in over a decade. So that's not in his favor. But he's putting the best that he has since 2014, where he won two majors. First in strokes gained off the tee, first in strokes gained tee degree, and first in strokes gained total. Look, I know it's a stretch, but I like Rory this week a lot Yeah, to complete the career slam. Like, listen, I mean, if, if he's putting. Dude, it's, it's his year. It's soft conditions. Yeah. He's going to bomb driver on this place. He's going to put it well. And I texted you the other night. I'm like, you know, Rory, he's actually been really working on his mind. He had a meditation. Yeah. 
and he's actually using juggling in his pre-round uh, to prepare to get it to train his mind. And I thought that was really fascinating. I'm going to actually try to learn more about that. But, you know, he's got everything going on. If the only thing he's thinking about right now is he just has to go out and think well and the rest is going to take care of itself, that's pretty easy. You know, um, I can't troll you for the pick other than, like, kind of a pansy. But, like, for sure, he's probably going to win. And if he doesn't win, my goat is going to take it over. Tiger Woods is my pick. I'm undefeated against you every time I pick Tiger Woods. So I'm going to keep that train rolling. I just hope he doesn't MC. That's all I hope. Well, yeah. I mean, how could you sit here and bash Tiger? Like, if I had to ask you, do you want him to make the cut? Do you want Tiger Woods to win or do you want Rory to win? Tell me who you would actually rather see win. It's not even a question. Obviously, if you like golf, you're going to say, I want Tiger Woods to win the next nine Masters. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. Okay, go on to the second tier. This one's a good heavyweight battle, actually. This one's going to be fun. Okay, so I saw this tweet the other day from Jamie Kennedy. Mm -hmm. The tweet is, who am I? I'm under 30 years old. I'm a five-time winner on tour. This year, I'm second in stroke gain approach, second in strokes gain tee to green, ninth in strokes gain total, top 20 in driving distance, top 20 in scoring, top 25 in greens and regulation, and four straight top 20s at Augusta. What's my name? You want me to answer that for you? <laughs> Hideki Matsuyama. Yeah, uh, the problem too. is, the slight problem is uh, that he's 180th strokes game putting, 199th in total putting, 205th in three putt avoidance. Where I think we were talking a couple weeks ago about like how many guys actually make these rankings. Well, we know the list goes to at least 205 at this point because he's 205th in three-putt avoidance. Well, we but know I was looking into it. I was looking into it a little bit, and he's actually 36th in make percentage from 15 to 20 feet, and like, so he's just been trash from inside of that. He three putts a lot, right? But he'll his make percentage from that medium area is pretty good. Now I know it's a lot of it is just randomness, right? But it's kind of like one of those things where, listen, the guy's been here. The guy scores here. He's been he shot par better in 12, 12 of his last 16 rounds at Augusta. Like, if there's anywhere where he's going to feel a little bit more comfortable, even though this is a little bit counterintuitive, I would say it's going to be here. Um, mm-hmm. And so for a Tier 2 guy, getting all of those stats that I just listed above, props yeah. to Jamie Kennedy. I like him a lot. That's great. Do you mind if I put a two cents on for the people uh, to that pick? Because, I mean, obviously I agree with you. There's no going against it. But above the putting. So yeah. what, what that tells me is a guy that's making a lot of medium-range putting, medium-range putts, but three putts a lot, he's aggressive. You know what I mean? He's probably – so he's maybe not great at three-footers, but he's definitely aggressive because if he's making them, um, he's not scared to give them a rip. But yep. – what could be beneficial to him at Augusta nationally knows, well, that strategy doesn't work. You're not going to sit yeah. out here and just rip putts. So like it might change his uh, mentality with putting a little bit, knowing I have to be more patient and those 30 footers, you know, he might lag them up there. He might use speed. He might try to find the apex of the putt and really diet off of that. Cause his stroke's fine. Like he's not, you know, like when you deal with a guy like Paul Casey and Hideki Matsuyama, they're world-class players. It's not like these guys are out here giving three-footers every hole. Like, right. It's, <laughs> right. There's something small that, you know, it can be mental, they're forcing, things like that. So hopefully if Hideki kind of submits to the fact that I don't need to make a lot of 30-footers this week, and that changes his mentality, mentality for his benefit. So when you say those stats, I interpret it that way. Um, you know, I obviously am not next to him, but uh, I think this week, like you said, it could be a place where he's more comfortable and he kind of submits to the fact that he doesn't need to feel 
like he's making a bunch of 30 footers. Right. So um, my guy's similar. <laughs> I mean, uh, if you get both of these guys in the tier two, obviously at, um, at a major Bubba Watson, um, you know, the saying, like they got to do something to Bubba proof this place. Uh, it's really hard not to, not to pick Bubba a two time champion. Um, the creativity aspect, uh, is he's got to have so much fun around this place, you know, uh, cause he gets to think the way he wants to think every single hole. And, um, I don't think so in the past, the match play isn't before the masters, if I'm correct. And Bubba Watson is really great at match play. He loves that golf course. So I really like him having some recent feelings and visualization of a course that he likes and that he can play the way he wants where it's open and he can curve it and be aggressive. Um, so leading into the masters, I think the schedule change also will help him. Um, and Bubba with these soft fairways and the wind, it's going to be awesome. I just hope that he doesn't lose his attitude with the weather. You know how he can become kind of a, a powder. He can pout. Same thing with John Rahm, but, um, I hope that he hangs in there, you know, and, and doesn't get annoyed. So, if he, if he can, I mean, it's hard not to pick Bubba just because of his, his creativity and his flat-out ability to, to play shots around this ballpark. Yeah. That'll be a good I mean, one. That'll be a fun one. That'll be a fun a one. Hideki versus Bubba. Tier three. Go ahead and go first. Okay. I'm going with Shane Lowry. I hate this tier of players for this golf course. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's actually really not anything I want to be a part of. But uh, Charles Schwartz is the only one you could go and say because of his, you know, he's won here before. But uh, I'm going to Shane Lowry uh, just off the weather. Uh, Northern, he's an Irishman. He, he likes that bad weather. He likes hard golf courses. Um, it's, it's the reason why I pick him every time, uh, you know, in difficult, difficult weeks. Um, I know he won't get bothered by that weather. So I just picked Shane Lowry hoping that, uh, his mentality will be a little bit uh, more positive and better than everyone else's. So this is going to be a pick that is, like you said, this tier sucks this week um, really not and good. at this golf course. But this is a, a tier three pick. Give me a made cut. Um, <clears throat> Billy Horschel. Mm-hmm. He sucked last week. He missed the cut. I think he shot 77 in the second round. But his quote afterwards is, well, I can't putt worse than I did the last two days. I hit enough shit shots where hopefully they're all gone for next week at Augusta. Uh, He's made 12 or 13 cuts this year. He hits greens. He makes putts. He's short off the tee. But again, it's kind of a tier three strategy. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to pick up a Vic versus Shane Lowry. And I think this guy's a battler. He's had a pretty good year overall. Um, for where his odds are, and again, he's he's uh, he's a good good approach player. He's a good putter. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing: like when I go through this tier, when it's this bad, I see people that are going to have better stats, strokes gained, all that. But to me, it comes down to who's got the ability from a mental standpoint to actually grind through you know, grind through a Masters, you know, and, yep. you know, J.B. Holmes is a guy I would not pick. He hits a low fade. Um, now, that might bite me in the ass, but <laughs> low fades don't usually have a lot of success around here. So, Shane Lowry and Billy Horschel draws it, so you kind of got to go with um, with those guys. I, I think uh, I think Billy Horschel's a good one for the tier. So, tier four. Dust Bowl. Yeah, this is stupid. Justin Harding. <laughs> Justin Harding is my man. He's a European tour guy. This is his first Masters. Uh, won the Cutter Masters and then took T2 at the Magical Kenya Open over there <laughs> on the European <laughs> tour. I mean, it's pretty sweet that there's something called the Magical Kenya Open. Quite honestly, uh, but he had to be pretty. He grinded the last, yeah, he grinded. He grinded last month to make it into the top uh, fifty of the official world golf rankings. He's 49th in the world right now to get in. Um, and I was actually kind of taking a look at his 
uh, draw in the match play, too. So he was in Rory's group in the match play and took second in the group. Uh, he beat Matt Fitzgerald and uh, or Matt, Matthew Fitzpatrick <clears throat> um, and beat Luke List, but then lost to Rory three and two. Uh, so he went two and one in that group. Uh, I, you know, like, look. He's a guy that's playing well coming into the tournament. Uh, first time around here, so you never you never think a lot of those guys are going to have a whole lot of success. Um, but look, he's the Ken- magical Kenyan Open champion. Like no, the guy he got, second, he took second, bro. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, the runner-up in that he's got momentum. Like if you can play it in Kenya and have success, like what's Augusta National? Well, he already won the Cutter Masters. So yeah, like, he's halfway there. <laughs> what about the actual Masters? He's halfway there. What do you get, a brown jacket for that one? Gold jacket, green jacket, who gives a shit? <laughs> I think it was Happy green. My quarter, right? I'm going, so here's my strategy. <laughs> I highlighted Angel Cabrera so I could protect him from big. And I, I, I highlighted him to make sure he was still in my pocket and not on Dan's squad. So, but I'm going to pick Kevin Tway. Uh, you got to go with Kevin Tway in this. I mean, half of this, more than half of this tier is irrelevant. But uh, Kevin Tway is my guy. He bombs it. He hits it far. He's 21st on tour um, in driving distance. Hits it all over the map. But uh, in a place like this, you know, that's okay. Uh, strokes gain, T to green, he's. 57. Uh, in this tier, you just got to have a guy that can hit it far enough and hopefully he has a good week uh, off the tee and can take advantage of that. So um, I'm going with Kevin Tway. And we also are going to do a little bit something that I'm just deciding at the moment we've been talking. We're going to do a, a little bit of a, a, a dusty dust bowl. Um, <laughs> because I want to get real dusty and I want to, uh, you got to take everyone from uh, below Angel Cabrera. So we're dealing with Devin Bling, Kevin O'Connell, Jose Maria Olafabo, Mike Weir, Ian Woosman, Larry Mize, and Sandy Lyle. Uh, this, this might be an 81-82 to an 80-78 battle here. Should, should we play with handicaps? Should it be 81 net 76 for Larry Mize? <laughs> what do you think Mike Weir's handicap is at this point? I don't know. But is he a two? Mike Weir grinds still, I think. Like, at home. Like, he's one of those guys that I feel like is always working on his game. Like, he's kind of just a golf nut. And I feel like with Mike Weir, he's the only one comparative to the other guys that can maybe catch a, a hot hot streak, you know? I don't know, dog. I think Mike Weir's a two handicap. <laughs> he could uh, be. So, okay, let's go ahead and take your pick. Um, hold on, I'm actually checking Mike Weir's stats. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. Okay, because I'm gonna go completely no, blind. Oh my, yeah, stroke I'm sure it was gross. <laughs> He's chipping it well at plus 0.49. Uh, he hits it 271 yards empty, somewhat crooked. Um, <laughs> I don't even know what this is. Let's go. You know how you can choose PJ tiers? That's what he's doing out on the web. Ooh. Wait, what? Why is this 2019 web? Why is he hitting a 295 off the tee? He must have played in the Kenya Open and hit every car pass. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, okay, well, that's funny. I just, Mike Rear's a past champion. and um, well, all of these awesome. guys are past champions, or they wouldn't be invited anywhere near the. No, but I mean, like, no, but I mean, like, somewhat of a recent past champion compared to a Ian. But who do you got? You go first. You know what? Sandy Lyle, Mm -hmm. champion of the par three contest. Did he end up winning? 61 years old. I have no reason to pick him at all. He won the golf tournament in 1988. <laughs> uh, he's a member of the World Golf Hall of Fame. 
He's not an American. You know, I'm just trying to read down the list here of why I should pick him. And, I can't find anything. He, I mean, you can't find anything that would make me be like, yeah, he's going to absolutely shoot. He's going to break 75. Like, I don't see anything uh, to make me believe that. Here's the thing. The only guys that could actually be reasonable picks is Devin Bling and Kevin O'Connell, the mid-am champion and uh, USAM runner-up. Like, they can play and they can hit far enough. But that's not really fun. So I want to actually. He won the World Hickory Open in Scotland in 2014 and 2016. So he graduated from real golf to Hickory Hickory. Golf. (laughs) Uh, I'm going with my career. to the 2016 victory as his fourth major to go along with the 2014 crown. As well as the British Open in '85 and the Masters in '88. Wait, you're bold. Me. That's very bold, but okay. <laughs> Respect. Respect. Um, I'm going Mike Weir. Yeah. Congratulations! The guy, stom- the guy loses. I think Sandy Lyle hit the past him probably. Potentially, absolutely. <laughs> Have you seen Ian Woosman, man? That guy's going to fucking roll it. He's actually started out decently in this tournament a few times, I think. Woosman? Yeah, I think, like, yeah, like I, I, think, I think I remember that, too. Like, yeah, he'll be, like, two under through four or something like that. He was like, oh, Ian Woosman. Woosman <laughs> And then he shoots 76. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. E- Masters 2009, Ian Woosman says, the walking is killing me, and that as lightly as last <laughs> That was 10 years ago? No, that was 2019. That was this year. Oh, I thought you said 2009. No. Uh-oh. Well, that's not that a good sign for any of you playing along at home who have Ian Woosman. He can't even walk the golf course. And his hat. I'm looking at a picture where his hat is ram. <laughs> like, you know, the ram. <laughs> and it looks like he just had three bottles of Jack. Oh, man. Doug, have you told the audience about Ram's offer to sponsor you? Mine? That yeah. I politely declined and decided to play tennis instead. <laughs> anyway, this is going off the rails, but... All right, guys. You enjoy hey. Masters hey. Week. Wait, 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 wait. Did you pick Sandy Lyle? Yeah. Oh, okay. I just want to make sure. They did a documented. You didn't make it clear. No, I got Sandy. Give me Sandy versus Sandy versus Mike Weir. Weirdly. Okay. Now let everyone go enjoy the rest of their snow day. Rest of your snow day. Rest of your Masters Wednesday. I'm going to go pick a winning team. Good luck. Let me know if you need any help. I don't need it from you. (laughs) Guys, thanks for listening as always. We're back. Back on the weekly schedule. See you guys next week. Enjoy the Masters. See you guys.